OPN Ask an Angel podcasts are conversations with global angel investors and venture capitalists. We explore how to invest, understanding investment strategies, and approaches to due diligence. Join us and learn what it takes to be a startup or what it takes to invest in the next great company. So uh, welcome everybody to uh, the Supporters Fund Ask an Investor, so Ask an Angel. Uh, we're excited today that uh, Jeff Champagne is going to be with us today. Uh, this will be our fifth interview in the series, and we'll continue to um, interview a lot of great angel investors that are working in this space um, in the early stage in pre-seed and seed round investing. So to jump right back in, uh, Jeff, why do you invest in startup companies? Why do I invest in startup companies? Um, there's several reasons. We invest in, and I personally invest in startup companies primarily, um, well, I mean, I'd be, I'd be not being honest if I didn't say it was to make money. But in addition to that, um, it's basically an opportunity to give back. And it's also an opportunity to keep uh, myself involved and on the pulse of what's going on in, in the local startup community. No, nope, fair enough. And that is a, that's a, a great position to, uh, to look at it is that you're not going in it from just one angle. Uh, you're looking at all the great opportunities and seeing what's moving in the market and then taking an active interest in order to, to help these companies move forward. Uh, what got you started investing in, in early stage companies? That's actually a really good question. What got me started uh, in investing was I had always had an interest in investing and I was a very typical investor. Um, you know, I had, a, I had one business that was you know, reasonably profitable and had some extra money. And I had done real estate, I had done stocks, I had done you know, mutual funds, I had done all the traditional and what I'll call boring stuff. One day about six years ago, I literally just Googled alternate investments available um, and angel investing came up. And I reached out to Malcolm McTaggart, the, the, the founder and leader of, of Spark Angels here in Durham. And I had a meeting with him and he told me what it was all about. And I was hooked. I've, I've been a, an active investor and um, I have not regretted it for a second. It was exactly what I was looking for um, when I wanted an alternate investment route. Awesome. Thank you, Google. <laughs> Pulls through yet again, but yeah, there's a, there's a lot of, um, I think even six years ago, there might not have been the best information on angel investing. It's really taken a, a push in the last couple of years um, in getting more people interested, which is great. Um, but that's uh, been a great way to get into it. What's your, what's your favorite part of investing? My favorite part of investing is the fact that it's something different than what my businesses are my, my businesses are, are what i'll call boring traditional you know bread and butter companies that you know aren't all that exciting aren't hugely growth and sexy startup companies so you know they, they just chug along and and they're there they're required they make money whereas the startup world it challenges me as as you know joking aside you know um, i've had to learn constantly about you know all the technological advances like zoom and all these other you know ways to communicate, but it's also kept me in touch with younger people, um, with startups, and, and a different side of the, of the business economy that I wouldn't normally be exposed to. So that's definitely, you know, my favorite part of investing. No, nope, that's great. And throughout the, the time period, is there now, have you kind of 
logged in and said, you know, each year I want to make this many investments into companies. Have you kind of set that in stone or what's your theories or, or hypothesis around your investment strategies that uh, take place? That's actually a really good um, uh, question, Jeffrey. And, and, and for me, at least personally, because I jumped in, when I started investing six years ago, I jumped in with both feet and I did a lot of investments up front. Um, you know, I probably did five, six, seven, eight investments. I think one year I did 10 investments and, you know, maybe even perhaps a little too quickly. I find now I probably do maybe only three or four in a year, if that, maybe even less, um, just simply because I do a little more and we'll get into it later on, but I do more due diligence now than I did up front. And also, I'm, you know, I, I've learned so much. I've learned that a lot of, you know, exits are longer than what you expect. And um, there's always a few hiccups along the way. So, you know, I, I, I don't think it's reasonable, um, you know, to do six or seven or eight or nine investments in a year for the average angel investor. I don't think you can properly do your homework. And I, and I don't think you can... Um, do it justice. I think that, you know, I will probably, you know, go forward. I would say I'll probably be in the two to five investment a year range going forward. Well, that's a, that's a good fair number. And uh, especially when you're spending a lot more time doing the due diligence nowadays, where, uh, as you mentioned before, it might've just been off gotten in a whim. And now you've kind of circled back around and felt, you know what, I've learned a lot. And if I uh, focus in on these areas and uh, make this correct, um, hypothesis and, and I go after it, then maybe I'll have more successful startups that come out of it in the end. So absolutely. Absolutely. That's a great way of looking at it for sure. Uh, is there any specific verticals that you now look at uh, as you've kind of gone through the spectrum over the last six years? Have you isolated it down and say, I really love these three areas. They seem to really do well in my portfolio or Hey, these are three areas or one area that I haven't even looked at before. And I'm really interested in getting my portfolio to have a startup in this space. Again, another good question. Um, I, I started out with a little bit of a shotgun approach and just sort of invested in anything that I thought was going to make money. Uh, and like most investors, I was probably wrong. <laughs> um, now, I think I have a few. One, one field that interests me is medical. Um, I've invested in, in a couple of different um, pharmaceutical companies that have basically either developed or repurposed drugs. They, they do tend to be a longer play, but I think the, the potential payout, if they succeed, you know, is not going to be the typical you know, 3 to 10x exit that a lot of angel investors look for. When you get into the pharmaceutical play or the medical field, you have the potential for you know, 100x exit. So I definitely always, you know, want to be looking for the next good medical or pharmaceutical play. And that was even before this COVID um, exposure. But now with COVID, I think that's even more so. Um, I'm an engineer by training. So I try to, you know, I, I, I stay away from just what I'll call the typical app investments. Um, you know, there's so many, you know, come out there with an app to do this and an app to do that. I'm not saying they're not all good, but for my interest, that's not what I want. You know, I, I want to look for something that's a little bit different, somebody hasn't thought of. And I like to look for something manufacturing based where somebody's actually building a product. 
that's the other ones I'll jump behind. You know, somebody's got a cool little robot that, that, that can do this or that, or somebody's, you know, come up with a, with a neat little, you know, in, invention of anything that can make our lives better. So I, I want, if somebody's got a cool product that I think can sell and succeed, and I see an exit for it, and I see a way to sell it, and I think, you know, there's a good opportunity to make it, you know, profitable, then, you know, I'm going to jump behind something that, that can actually, you know, touch and feel and, and, and make. So you're pretty agnostic, but you do want to see something come out of the medical and maybe in a product space around the engineering side of it. Those seem to be two verticals that you're heavily more interested in, but you are pretty open uh, across the board. Absolutely. And then, you know, you can't, you can't rule out fintech, you know, any, anything on the financial services side, I think is probably the third um, space that always tickles my fancy a little bit. I like to see what's new and, and, and exciting on that front because those all seem to differentiate themselves a little bit from the others. So yeah, those are, those are definitely the three areas I like to focus on. And again, I, it's, I, I, I say that because I like to you know, I don't want to follow the pack of angel investors. A lot of angel investors tend to jump on the same type of investments, whereas I prefer to steer a little bit to the side and look for something that they might be missing. Okay. Well, that's, uh, that's some great insight. Um, outside, of your, um, uh, outside of just going with your gut, now you're diving in and you're really learning more and doing more inside of the, the deep side of things. Is there any requirements that you look for before you make a commitment? Um, as, yeah, as far as due diligence, I, yeah, I'm, I'm much more thorough on my due diligence now. I'll want to see that, uh, and that's because, you know, of you and I working together in the fund as well, you know, we have very strict requirements um, for our fund when we do due diligence. And I think I've, I've, one thing I've done is been able to pass that on to some of the other angel investors that we work with um, to teach them and show them the type of things we need. You know, they have to have Obviously, you know, we want to see filed, you know, anything to do with, you know, protecting intellectual property. We want to see um, financial, you know, reporting for at least a couple of periods. We want to see that we've got key man insurance on the founders. We want to see, um, you know, that they've got a good sales and marketing plan, that they've got, a, you know, at least a three-year sales forecast. I want to see that they understand, you know, their competitive nature. I want to see that, you know, they, they have a good understanding even when they're starting out of what their exit strategy is going to be. Um, Details around uh, employee contracts. So that the IP is being exactly. protected. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of things that really uh, pull out nowadays that um, you can really dive into. And some things we kind of just say, Oh, it's okay. Uh, but really at the end of the day, if you want to protect, your investment, especially at that early on stage, you're setting the groundwork for later on investments that are going to help when they get there because they did the due diligence at the early stage. Absolutely. Absolutely. If you, if you don't, and, and, I, and I, I won't state the name of the investment, but you know what? I've got an investment that I just thought was fun and sexy. And I, it was when I first started, I didn't do my due diligence. And, you know, I, I invested in all three trenches that they came around for not huge sums of money, but I went into this company three different times, and I'll tell you right now, I mean, it's, it's hanging on by a thread, and if I was to see the same company pitched to me now, I wouldn't touch it. So that, more than anything in my portfolio, underscores the need to do the due diligence because they really today, they wouldn't have met any of the criteria that, you know, that I look for and that you and I look for when, when we're evaluating companies. 
Yeah, no, that's, uh, that's, that's good, to, good information to share. Um, is there a timeline that you have for making investments? Like I know that some can be really quick, others can take months, sometimes even years because the business hasn't really got to the state where you're comfortable or uh, partners are comfortable. So is there a timeline that you like to put this to an investment that you're working on? Not particularly. I like to definitely see, I, I'm definitely like a lot of people, I'm going to be much more hesitant on a company that is pre-revenue. Um, you know, so if, it, if it's a company that's pre-revenue, I'm going to want more due diligence and I'm going to move slower with them and I'm going to really take my time and I'm going to ask them a whole lot more questions. If the company you know, is coming in with a couple of million dollars a year in sales, you know, I, I have and, and will close in a matter of a couple of weeks. If, if they're coming to the table and it's their second or third, you know, round of raising financing and they're able to say, okay, look, you know, we're doing, you know, three, 400,000 a month MRR. And, you know, here's our due diligence package. Here's our advisors. Here's our employee contracts. You know, here's the 20 things you look for and they've got them all. That tells me a heck of a lot how organized they are. And yeah, I, I've done investments in as little as a week when, when somebody has all their ducks in a row. But the less, the less an, a company has their ducks in a row, the longer I'm now going to take to do that investment. And yes, it, it could take several months or a year before they're able to pull together all the documentation I want because quite honestly, I'm just not willing, and especially in our new environment, I'm not willing to take that chance without having, you know, the documents or the answers to the questions that I want anymore. No, fair enough. And, and that's, uh, that gives a good timeline. And if you got everything ready, then we're ready to jump. If you're going to take some time, then it will work through it, but it can take us a lot longer. From your, from that perspective, now you've, you found the company, you start digging into it. You've got, uh, you're ready to go. You've got some information on the DD side. You're getting all that information. Are there other values that you look for now, not just on the paperwork side, but are the things around the owners, the team, the product? Is there something else that really ties you in that you really got to lock in before you make that next step? Oh, definitely. First, first and foremost, bar none. And I tell this, you know, when we have our pitch competitions and everything else, I always tell um, and give feedback to, to the startups that we see. The, the way a CEO handles themselves, there are some times where, you know, I'll invest in the CEO because I believe in that CEO even more than, you know, than I believe in the product. I just think that sometimes if the CEO, you know, is, has the confidence, they're good at pitching, they're, they, they understand how to pitch the customer and they understand how to pitch the investor and they're confident and they have a couple of, you know, successful startups and exits. Um, like I say, there's probably two or three investments that I have done almost purely on the confidence in the CEO more than the product. And, and I was, you know, uh, able to have them convince me because like I say, I, I, I know that I'm not an expert on every product out there, but if the CEO has those qualities and they've done all the work up front that they come to the table and say, look at what we've done. Here's the, here's the patents we've done. Here's the groundwork we've done. Here's what we know about our competitors. Like I say, the seven or eight or 10 key things if they really show me that they have an angle on that, there's a couple of times I've taken a leap of faith, made an investment based upon them, and I'll be honest, um, so far I have not been burned. So the CEO becomes a pretty powerful tool in this, uh, in this whole mechanism of building a business that if they've got all the right pieces lined up, uh, it's going to help de-risk it 
And the key is that they're actually working to de-risk that so that it makes it a lot easier for you to work with them, investigate further, and then find ways to help and support outside of uh, just doing that uh, initial investment. Absolutely. And conversely, the same applies. There are at least two companies I can think of where I thought the product was actually pretty cool and pretty investable. And I turned it down because I thought the CEO was a jerk. And I did either I, I thought they were too arrogant or they were too shy and had no idea on really how to sell themselves or the company or their product. So, you know, you can have the best product in the world, but if you, if you don't know how to sell it and, and sell yourself, um, you're not going to be successful. Um, as I say, you know, you, you, you'll be more successful being a great ambassador of your brand with a mediocre product. You'll do better than having a fantastic product and, and, and not knowing how to sell yourself. So like I say, I've, I've jumped on board and I've turned down maybe, you know, products that'll be the next, uh, you know, whatever out there, but I, I just couldn't do it if I didn't have the faith in the CEO. So like I say, I've walked away from deals too. Oh, that's great. I, do, you, uh, do you look at leading rounds? Is that something that uh, you're approaching these days as well? Probably far too much. <laughs> I've, 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 I've led many, many rounds um, with Spark Angels. You know, we, we are a small group. We, you know, we're one of 10 groups in Ontario. We don't tend to be that large. Um, there are probably, probably like in any group, you know, out of the 40 investors, there are 10 of us that, that tend to be very active. Um, I have no problem in leading rounds in two ways. I will lead the round as far as just doing due diligence and being the liaison with that um, entrepreneur or the group of entrepreneurs for the company. And then I'll also be the one who will collect the, the funds and do a trust agreement, which I've done many times um, because I like to make it simple for the entrepreneur. And what we'll do is instead of each individual angel investor giving a small amount and creating mountains of paperwork for that entrepreneur will pull it together and I will basically do one investment um, on behalf of two or nine investors whatever are interested and then I just make up a trust agreement between um, all the investors that indicates that I'm holding the investment and that they own shares in it as well and we move on from there so yes I I find that some people are, are very skeptical and shy to lead around. Quite honestly, I'm not. And, and you know, our, our group has probably half a dozen people that are very confident and very competent in, in leading rounds in, in the same manner that I do. Awesome. And it, you know what? It, it takes a, a lot of extra work, but it's well worth it when you're making that um, connection for all the investors, but also working tightly and closely with the the CEO of the company, it builds a good rapport for you, but it also shows that you've got a, uh, an exit in mind of where you're going. I'm going to put all this together and you guys simplify it and make it easier on them. And then you become that go-to person as you move forward. And that's, that's a great position to be in. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. So outside of um, that side of it, do you have any preferred outside of the investment um, side of things on leading? Now you move into the next stage, which is uh, do you have any preferred terms? Are there things that you look for when signing off and saying, you know what, this is something that I'm interested in and I want to book it this way? Uh, or do you just kind of follow along with whatever's being offered by the, uh, the company? No, I got to admit, I'm not a follow along kind of guy. But uh, no, I always look for, uh, well, there's, to be, I guess to start with, one thing I'll, uh, that can kill a deal for me right away is a safe. I know 
every once in a while somebody comes along and, and wants to do a safe uh, primer. But I, I will admit for angel investing, that is just something not only our group, but I've talked with other angel groups in Ontario. And angel investors, you know, very, very strongly steer away from safes. So that is something that, that can put me off. Um, the other two main angles that I do like to see is, is prep shares um, with future warrant opportunities. Um, I like that. Um, I also like to have a, a convertible note because, you know, if, if you have a convertible note where, especially where I'm making interest and, you know, common interest rates in convertible notes are 5% or 8%. So that you're making, you know, a little bit of a return regardless of whatever's going to happen. And then you have a, you know, a 20% discount on, on uh, a future cap conversion. Um, I think that is probably the number one thing that, that angel investors like to see is see a 24 or 36 month convertible note paying 8% interest with a, um, uh, with a 20% discount uh, at conversion on a future activity. Um, so, you know, I, again, I'm, I'm flexible between it. And, and, and the third thing is even, you know, just a loan. We've, we've got deals where sometimes we'll just do loans at a higher interest rate and, you know, get money paid back. It's, it's only for special companies that have good cash flow opportunities to do that. Um, but yeah, I would say probably the number one thing is the convertible note. Okay. And that's a, that's a great breakdown of the, the three potential options that you look for. And, and obviously sticking behind the convertible note, it provides a lot more value in the future, uh, especially if they put in a cap on it where it says that if uh, they have to raise at any point in time at this amount, it's always a good way for you to convert and still have a discount on that value. Uh, so that's, uh, those are uh, agreed that those are great strategies. Um, when you're uh, making these uh, investments, do you also plan for follow-up investments? It's funny. It's funny you say that about following up. Um, I've always followed up on investments, probably quarterly or every six months, just to make sure. Because some of these investments do tend to be longer term, uh, especially if they if if it was an equity deal with Pref shares. Um, you know, really nothing is going to happen until they hit a Series A or they have an IPO or something big happens. And you know, with a lot of companies, it it can be years. So I think it's and I think it's important to do that. Um, some companies I find, be honest, not enough of them. Some companies I find are very good at sending out quarterly reports and keeping their investors updated. Most are not, and, and that's okay. They're just um, they're busy out there trying to grow the business. But as long as you're responsive when when your major investors reach out and ask you for an update, be responsive. Come back, give us an update. Uh, and I find most are, I, I must admit, I find in general, people are pretty good. Um, with COVID-19 hitting, we've basically, our angel group has formed a little bit of a task force where we have uh, all been uh, assigned ourselves three or four companies that we've invested in to reach out to them, stay in touch with them, offer assistance, make sure that they're going to be surviving, make sure they're going to be successful, see if they're having cash flow problems or personnel problems or whatever it is. We, we have a network with a lot of contacts um, and we're basically, you know, touching base every two weeks now. So, you know, I would say in good times, yeah, I, I, I like to touch base quarterly, but right now when times are tough, um, every two to four weeks, I want to be touching base with my investments, making sure they're hanging in there and making sure they're not scared to ask for help if they need it. No, that's great insight. And, and uh, I do like the fact that, um, you're keeping that contact going and every few weeks you're reaching out to answer any problems or at least make 
help the CEOs feel that they're comfortable, that they've got some good investors behind them. Uh, when you are making that investment and you've, you've polished out all the documentation, you've made the investment, uh, do you save money on the side and say that 30% of your investments you're going to reinvest in? Is that something that you, that you look to do uh, or you just kind of play it as it comes? I, I more play it as it comes. You know, it's, you always try to find money for the right deal. Um, you know, again, you know, with angel investors, we're, we're supposed to keep a certain, you know, they tell us to keep a certain percent of your portfolio available. And, but I, I'm finding that, you know, it's taking longer for companies to turn and mature and exit and, and get our money out. So I'm probably putting in a lot more money than I ever thought I would. I thought I'd be able to turn it faster. I'm hoping that in you know three or four more years, I'll start seeing a lot more exits and I'll turn that money. For now, I, I still think this is a very good space. I think there's some very good investments. So what I've done is dialed it back from six to 10 investments a year to two to four. And, and I'll keep putting some in. And, and like I say, hopefully when those investments start maturing and paying off, then I can make bigger investments in some of these companies with the profits. No, well, that's great. You mentioned uh, just earlier that on the communication side that you like to reach out and, and you like to keep your, um, the companies, your portfolio companies kind of um, working away and sharing information. Is there any form of communication that you really prefer best? Is it, you know, you want the quarterly updates, you want the monthly, do you want any paperwork, you want, revenue documents, you want a Dropbox folder? Is there anything that you kind of look for that really helps you stay peace of mind so that you can uh, jump in when you need to? I, I like, because I've got, you know, multiple, my hand in multiple pies, I kind of like it when somebody sends me a, a, a quarterly report, you know, as an attachment on a, on a two or three page bulletin. But hey, I'm, I'm still a little bit old school, as we all know. So that works best for me. I, I, I work, you know, almost exclusively with email. So when those come in via email, that's great. Um, probably second for me is Dropbox. Um, Dropbox is very handy. I love it because when we, we you know, when, when, you know, with our fund, when you and I are working with these companies and we are putting money into um, things and we're basically looking to, um, get updates you know companies that we're working with can put documents into a dropbox folder we can access it uh and then i can go back and and find it at a future date so you know i would i would say email and dropbox are probably the best too okay uh so the markets have kind of shifted you mentioned earlier about obviously around the COVID 19 and a bit of change going on in the market and space around early stage companies um have you noticed anything on the investment side? Have you seen things pull back? Have you th seen things move forward? The markets seem to be running and gunning like nothing's occurred. So I'm just curious to what you found has happened inside of the, the space that we're in right now. Fair enough. In, in all honesty, um, I, 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 can, I can only speak to myself and I can speak to the Spark group of angel investors. I don't know a lot about what some of the other groups are doing, although just what I've heard on the surface, they're similar to us. Um, although the markets are, as you say, running and gunning, it's true. Um, some of the investors, you know, perhaps were a little overexposed in the stock market and, and took big hits while they've come back. Um, if you were investing in conservative stocks or, or balanced stocks, you know, your portfolio, like my portfolio has bounced back almost to where it was, but there are still angel investors I've talked to that, you know, are down 20, 30% because they were, they were gambling a little bit more as, as their personalities are. So 
I would say, and again, we've had two other companies that have come back to us for probably a third round of financing. Uh, in the last couple of weeks, you know, we financed them on the first round. They've come back a few times. Um, so we have, um, they're, they're outside. We have, um, uh, we went around, we, we, we pulled all our angels and we were able to get very little second round funding for them, you know. So maybe I think for one company, one person stepped up and for the other company, three companies stepped up. And other than that, I've also seen a couple of companies come back around for additional financing that got zero. So, but again, I've had several people come to me and say, hey, look, you know, if, if somebody's looking for a loan, I need some cash flow. So if somebody has, you know, a good cash flow and they're willing to take this as a loan and make me monthly payments back at 10 or 12%, I've got money for that. Um, convertible notes still seem to be of a little bit interest. I think um, people are very skeptical of equity investments right now, but that's, again, that's probably just temporary because of the market. So I, I would, in summarizing it, and I know this one's a little more long-winded, but it's not a simple question. In summarizing it, I would basically say for someone that's done their homework, that has a really good opportunity, that has established, I think it's going to be very hard for somebody that's pre-ref. But I think for somebody that's got a bit of an established revenue runway and has done their homework and is properly pitching it, I think that opportunity is still there. I think the, the angels will open their pockets um, and certainly VC firms will as well like ours. But I think people are just going to have to do a little extra homework. They're going to have to be a little better established um, than what they had to be even three months ago to get that funding. It's definitely going to be more competition for a slightly smaller pool of funds for at least the next little while. Oh, that makes uh, makes complete sense. And I think I've seen the same where, you know, if the people were investing half a million, they're now investing a quarter quarter million. Things have shifted slightly. Uh, but I think people are still looking for a great deal and still interested to invest. Things have just slightly uh, slowed down a little bit, but rightfully so. Uh, people are trying to re-gauge where they positionally fit and, and move forward from there. Any uh, Any sort of recommendations that you would give to a startup on ways to attract investors and attract customers, all of those things to get people interested in them and their brand. Well, and, and not to pitch us, you know, um, this, this is not a plug for, for our OPN fund supporters and that, but you know what, these, these pitch competitions I think are fantastic because what I've seen that they do, and again, I even changed, even you know, being a GP in the fund, I, I wasn't totally sold on us doing these pitch competitions because you know, it's an investment of funds for us, but what I have seen out of it is, it, not only does it give us exposure to, to see all these companies, but it gives these companies a chance to pitch. You know, I think you know, the, as panelists, what we really try and do is, is help these companies, and I've seen that they do need some help, a lot of them. They need to understand, like I find too many startup companies do a pitch to investors on a sales pitch like they would do to customers, and you have to pitch a customer very differently than you pitch an investor. And I say that almost every single company that we're doing, you know, pitch evaluations to. Um, so I think they really need to get as many pitch exposures as they can. I think you need to be involved in your community. If there's any possible way to, you know, uh, link back a percent of your sales or, or, or be involved, um, I think you've got to do that. I think it's important to be involved on LinkedIn. I think you've got to network with your peers. I think, you know, again, some of the things we offer with these, 
you know, business to business peer networking of startups, I think it just can say, oh, geez, I never thought of that, especially for brand new first time investors, right? Well, there are, there, I mean, um, uh, startups, there are what I'll call ser serial startups where people like to start a company, build it and sell it. But for the first timers, they need to be mentored. They need to um, have it explained. And, it, you know, it's having these opportunities through LinkedIn, through pitch competitions, through um, getting involved with the community, incubators, accelerators. You know, the, these are phenomenal approaches. You're, you're talking with peers that are having the same struggles and challenges with you every single day. So like the Spark Center in, in Oshawa and some of these other ones, the Mars Center, even, you know, some are different sizes, right? You know, our little Spark Center in Oshawa is small, but it's still a, a fantastic little, you know, incubator for these companies to get started. It's an expensive space. You network with your peers. You're not socially isolated. Uh, and then, you know, for, the, for the, the, the shooting stars, you know, we've got Mars in Toronto, you know, where you've got opportunities to, you know, open doors to excessive investments, IPO guidance, you know, sort of for the bigger players. So I think it's phenomenal how angel investing and, and the opportunities for startups has grown so much in six years to be able to have angel investors, VC firms, incubators, startups. There's so many things that, you know, weren't there 20 years ago when I was starting my company. For sure. And, and just to circle back, there's some uh, great points that you made on getting out and pitching and getting in front of people as much as you can. That brings a lot of value. It gets people comfortable with you. Also gets people giving you their opinions on how to help. Um, and then working your community and, and getting uh, a lot of FaceTime in front of people using uh, means like LinkedIn and other marketing. Uh, those are always great pieces that are going to benefit you. Um, and then I think uh, to kind of round it all off, uh, the key to all of this is that uh, you're finding ways to grow inside of a community. And the more times you get out and get FaceTime, the more times you show yourself, the more interest, uh, the more de-risking people are going to feel around you because they've seen you a few times and all these things really help prop you up. So um, I 100% agree with that. And, and starting off and, and de-risking it from getting um, tech stars or getting one of those accelerators, incubators, Spark, all of those guys behind you, it helps build your brand quicker too because they help you get through a lot of those uh, earlier pain points to turn you into a business. So uh, those are uh, great points on how to help a, a startup move forward. If you now take this whole life cycle of everything that we've gone through, went from you know uh, looking at a company, figuring out if you're gonna invest in them, the reasons you're diving in, getting the information, making that investment, the terms you're going for, we've kind of put together this nice stream of how and what you look for in a business is there anything that you can take out of all of these uh, companies that you've worked with and invested in? Is there anything that you can look at? Maybe it's one or two pieces that you would recommend out to the audience that says, you know what, if you're going to do these two things, you've got a higher percentage chance of success because I've seen some companies, I've worked with some companies, I've invested in some companies and underlying here's a two, three things or one thing that really I think underlying helps everybody. Oh, absolutely. No question. Two things come to the forefront immediately. First and foremost, I think uh, entrepreneurs need to, you know, the, uh, way too many people develop an idea and just run with it because they think it's a great idea. I think first and foremost is you need to make sure that you, that there is a market for your product and you need to make sure that it's not just a bubble market. You need to make sure that it is a long-term sustainable market to sell your product and even better if there are opportunities to sell multiple products into that same market. 
I have seen far too many great ideas that have survived far too long that didn't sell because the market didn't exist. And it might not have existed because the product wasn't priced properly. It might not have existed because you know, somebody else, uh, they didn't protect their IP properly and somebody beat them to market. Uh, it might have been because there was just too many other things in the space. Um, you know, like, you know, coupon promotion companies and things like that. Some of these ones are just very saturated spaces. Um, and if you, you know, don't differentiate yourself. So th that is far and away that before you invest tens of thousands or even thousands of dollars in your idea, make sure you have a thorough understanding of the long-term market of your product. And then secondly, as much as it seems like a cliche, you have to manage your cash flow. And I do find investors overall, or, or I should say entrepreneurs overall, are, are getting much better at this. But, you know, if you, you have to manage, you have to, you know, realize that you're not going to take unrealistic salaries at the beginning, that, you know, you might not be able to handle 10 people. You might have to only hire five people and build it up. You, it's important to, you know, be flexible with terms and conditions and to, you know, prorate cash flow up front. If you're selling products, um, you know, use, use fractionators, you know, which will basically buy your, your receivables from you and, and you lose a few percent, but you get your cash flow early. Like you've got to be creative. And, and, and I guess third thing I would say is there are so many government funding opportunities out there, get out there and take advantage of the government funding opportunities. Um, you know, most people don't even realize how many there are. And these are some of the things that angel investors and VC firms and, you know, things like our, our supporters fund, we, and the mentors and advisors we have on our board know where to find the money, know of the government money out there. So, you know, th those are the three things I think are, are probably the most critical things to success because there is so much more free money out there to get started than most people realize. No, that's great. I totally agree with that. Test the market, uh, figure out if the market can get outside that bubble and, and how much you can expand. People want to invest in companies that can grow and expand out of Toronto and be more global. Um, and then, of course, uh, looking at uh, when you're diving into these larger opportunities, I think you really do have to focus in on Again, this goes back to the owner. How well are they looking at expanding? Can they manage that cash flow? Can they keep a ship tight when they, uh, um, tight when they need to and expand when they need to? Can they find government money to help them grow and expand as well? But it really comes down to that managing that bottom line. So three great, great points. Um, we're going to jump into the one question that's posted here from Doug before I ask you kind of and wrap up our last question. Uh, so Doug has uh, asked, have you ever missed a great opportunity overlooking a great company, team, or product or service? I have. Um, there, there's a couple, and it's funny, I think that, that's a fear of every angel investor. You know, we sit there, the way angel investing typically works is that, you know, we have, a, it's, it's not like Shark Tank, you know, that everybody sees on TV. If, if you haven't had an opportunity to pick, pitch your company, Doug, yet to, to angel investors, it's typically done over a meal, a, a breakfast or a dinner, and, and we'll see three companies, and we'll, they'll do a 15-minute pitch, and then we'll do a Q&A, and then, you know, the company leaves the room, and we, we all talk about it, and we decide if we want to pursue it further as a group. And, you know, so sometimes there's an opportunity to lose, you know, you, you just decide, okay, I'm not interested, or, 
you're distracted or you've had a fight with your wife that morning and you're not really paying attention. So yeah, it, it, it's, it's a big fear. There's, um, uh, again, I won't mention the name of the company, but there was a company that, that came through that pitched and a lot of us talked about it and we decided that we really didn't think it had a future and it went on, but there were two people, uh, I think one person from Spark and one person from York that invested in this company. And then, you know, you didn't really hear about it in two or three years go by. And then we had our Christmas party, um, uh, not this Christmas, but a, a year ago Christmas. And, you know, the guy who was one of our angels had a big smile on his face and we were joking with him. We said, well, what, what's the smile for? And he showed me this check and he says, yeah. He says, you know, that company that you guys all passed on, well, I went in on it and they, they just went IPO and I just got a check for a hundred times my money. So two people got it. The rest of us stood there with our jaws. We could barely remember the name of the company. We went back and pulled it all and we're all like, yeah, like we missed it. Like we didn't think and somebody believed in it. So, you know, especially when you've actually seen it happen. Yeah. Your biggest fear is that when you have a presentation in front of you, you know, you have to, you can't act. You can't follow up the due diligence. You can't invest in every single pitch you see, especially guys like Jeffrey and I, you know, we'll see, you know, up to, you know, 50 or a hundred companies in a month. The average angel investor only sees three. You, you can't do it all. And, and I think you're more, I think I honestly have a bigger fear of missing a great opportunity than I do on having a company fail, to be honest. Oh, that's a, that's a great point. I would, I'm dying to know who this company is. Um, so you can tell me offline, but uh, <laughs> it, it does happen. And you're right. It's when you see a lot of companies and you're really early stage, you're trying to vet through which ones that you think have the best viability. And a lot of the times uh, you can't see everything. And that's where you bring in these groups and everybody else can jump on things as well. And sometimes, um, and I've had this happen in the past, where I started to go through the information and then they said, oh, I need to do this and close now. And we're like, I was, uh, I don't like being pressured. So I was like, all right, I'm out. And, uh, but the thing was that was, the conversion was in within 24 hours. And then after, um, I still couldn't stop thinking about it. And I was like, why didn't I just do it? But because I don't like the pressure, I have no idea, but the company's doing, at least they're doing well. So, but my head still thinks, man, I want it in, in that company. But because they created this unneeded tension, I just couldn't go forward with it. So I, I think there's always going to be a little avenue of, what is the right and wrong? And you have to balance it out as quick as you can to make a decision if it's right. But I think you made the choice anyways as the right direction uh, for you. And, you know, sometimes they go by and, and they get through the cracks and it is what it is. But um, obviously it's amazing that you've been able to keep investing and you didn't lose faith because someone walked in with a big hefty check. Um, so that's a good thing. So the, the last question, just to kind of wrap things up. And Douglas, thank you for the question. Uh, so to wrap things up, Jeff, is uh, the last question we have is uh, based on the early stage investment, investments that you've been making and the way the markets have been going in North America, I need you to take your crystal ball and say, here's what it looks like in the next 12 months of investing. And uh, this is the type of verticals that people are going to start focusing on the next 12 months. And then here's where we're going to end out in the next three. And what does that look like? Okay. That, that's a good point. You know, what, what is angel investing, you know, going to look like, or what is, you know, the funding opportunity, not just angel investing, what is funding opportunities for startups going to look like? It's, it's, it's like so many different things. You know, Doug Ford said today, school in September is not going to look anything like school has looked before. 
you know, going back to this. And I think the startup community is going to see that funding is not going to look anything like it did um, a few months ago. And that's going to be tough. Now, I also think there's going to be exceptions. I think if you have anything related to do with healthcare or pharmaceutical in the next year, I think you are probably going to have an easier opportunity than your peers to, to get funding and you're going to get people's attention more. Um, I've invested myself personally in some penny stocks of a few different, you know, medical companies that have doubled and tripled just, you know, in the last couple of weeks for no known reason at all, other than they're riding this little wave of, of, you know, a, a few people doing well. Um, you know, but that's penny stocks, right? That's a whole different animal. I think that the average startup is going to have to work harder. They're going to have to be smarter and they're going to have to do their homework more to get any money at all. I, I would say be patient because I think in three months, you know, the next three months, you may not get any, you might be turned down. But I think when we really emerge from this six months or nine months down the road, I think you need to have your confidence and you need to uh, approach it again. Even people, whether it's an angel group or, a, or an, um, uh, a venture capital company or any of the bigger organizations that if they say no, have the confidence to go back and, and say, well, look, you know, you said no to us three months ago or a year ago, and, and look, we've grown X amount since then, or we've gotten three patents since then, or we've added these people to our board. Come back. If we say no, come back and show us that, you know, not being flagrant and saying you were wrong, but come back and say, hey, look, you know what? We got turned down, and we've still been able to do this, 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 and this in spite of it. Highlight your successes. I think three years from now, to be honest, it'll probably be back almost to where it is, you know, or to where it was three months ago. I think three years from now, um, post-pandemic, as long as we don't get hit with a big second wave, obviously I have to preclude because we don't know what's going to happen. But on the assumption that, you know, the world is going to keep heading back towards normal, I think three years from now we're, we're going to be in the same world we were in six months ago as far as investing. But I think in the next three to six months, if you need funding to survive, you're going to have to be sharper. You're going to have to work harder. You're going to have to be more creative and you're going to have to practice your pitches and, and be prepared to accept more no's and work harder to get people's attention because you're competing for a smaller pool for sure, for sure. But I, but I assure you, as long as the world keeps improving, that pool is going to keep expanding because there's lots of angel investors and there's lots of VC firms out there that have money to invest that want to invest. All you have to do is convince them that you're the right company to invest in because they make money by investing. They don't make it. They don't make money by saying no. We all make money by saying yes. You just have to convince us that you're the right company. No, Jeff. Well, I thank you very much. That's some fantastic advice. Uh, throughout, uh, obviously, the, the entire talk. Uh, I did enjoy the, the, uh, the last part where you were saying that, you know what, it may not happen today, it may not happen in three months, but if you keep working at it and polishing and getting yourself ready and continuing to grow and build the value, that they will come and they will make that investment. And you just have to work harder on that pitch to make sure that people understand where you're coming from. So uh, all valuable insights. Uh, but I want to thank you for your time today, Jeff. Uh, hopefully that went very smooth for you because I actually thought it was fantastic. Um, you really uh, touched on a lot of uh, pieces there, uh, but I think overall the information was great. Uh, I'm, I'm sure the, the crowd enjoyed it, and we're going to cut this up into snippets and send this out uh, over the next uh, couple weeks. 
a couple months, but I appreciate again your time and uh, being able to be forthright in answering these questions and, and spending your time with us. Well, thank you, Jeffrey. I, I enjoyed it very much. It was, it was interesting. This is the kind of thing I like doing. I hope that some of the people listening um, found it helpful and insightful. I'm available if anybody, you know, through, through our, our fund website, my, my email is linked. If anybody wants to reach out and chat about anything, please do. Um, you know, any questions where, you know, Jeffrey and I are always available to help. And, and, and this is what we do. This is our passion and, and this is why we do it. So I've enjoyed it very much. And, and I hope at least uh, a few people have gotten something from it. Awesome. Well, we'll certainly do that. And uh, we'll make sure we share that information out.